When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, tech line blowing up, talking uh, Taylor Swift and the Cow Longhorns into the draft. Somebody mentioned that. Uh, guys don't forget that uh, Tony Gonzalez was in chief before Travis man, Kelsey. That's true. It's a nice lineage. To the mock draft of yeah, JT man. Sanders to the Chiefs in the second round. Damn, that'd be sweet if he went to the Chiefs. <laughs> it really would be, man. That'd be perfect. It would. Honestly, I think he or Xavier Worthy would work really well with the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs need wide receivers. I guess you could throw AD Mitchell in there, but Xavier Worthy fits uh, the Chiefs offense probably a little bit better than an AD Mitchell does, schematically. Yeah, just because the speed, uh, the speed element, and uh, I think AD, I think X Man's a little bit better after the catch, yak yards wise, than AD Mitchell is, and Andy Reid's yeah, offense better than that. You're organizationally looking at it. I mean, tra- Jason Kelsey's retiring. How much longer is Travis Kelsey going to play? Becomes the question. You'd like to, if you can oh. get, because I, you know, we've talked about maybe JT Sanders being the highest ceiling draftable Longhorn. That's like, man, that guy Agreed. project him three, four years down the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what the Chiefs are looking at. That man, we we need that fifth player on our offense. They're hard to find. And you know, we could grab him, and, and you know the receiver position, the deepest, and, and maybe the, the development of Rache Rice is something that they're looking at too, that they really like where he's going, who they took last year at SMU, and he had the huge game last he's week developing. against the Dolphins. So yeah. yeah, I mean this is all you know mock drafts. It's way too early for that, but yeah, interesting. And uh, six Longhorns would be big. I mean they would tell you the, the talent that they're pumping into the net, into the NFL. Uh, can I get the breaking news sounder ahead of the top headlines, Rod, because, and Ty, because there's a big uh, development here in the last ten minutes in the NFL, in the NCAA's transfer portal, Rod. Alabama safety Caleb Downs. He's a great player. Plans to enter the NCAA transfer portal. This has been an ongoing trending conversation in Bama of what would Caleb Downs do with Nick Saban's retirement and then the hiring of Kalen DeBoer. They've hired their new defensive coordinator. But we're talking about a player who was the SEC Freshman Player of the Year, an All-SEC, All-American, and winner of the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award at safety at Alabama. High-end player, war number two. Uh, he's now expected to jump in the portal and can go wherever he wants, Rod, essentially. That is a huge mm-hmm. loss for Alabama if, if he's going to leave and go somewhere else. You know, we'll see. I mean, everybody will be interested in Caleb Downs. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this right, uh, over and over again, right? These guys who went to Alabama, it's one of the most stacked rosters in the country. Uh, they didn't go there to play for Alabama. They went there to play for Nick Saban. And now that Nick Saban is not there, you know, they don't want to play for Alabama. <laughs> I want to play for Nick Saban. The GOAT is gone. And the GOAT is and the GOAT had an easy sales pitch for the best players in the country. Um, I'm the GOAT, Nick Saban. I think you – I've produced 44 first-round draft picks here at Alabama. I think you're a first-round draft pick. You come play for me. I'll turn you into one of those first-round draft picks because you got what it takes, and I'll make you one of the best players in the country um, in the process. Sold. Sold, yeah. And now, Easy sale. And now you don't have that sales pitch. What's their sales pitch now? Yeah, Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> Which is and, great, but he's an unknown. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if you can guarantee me. Nick Saban could almost guarantee a player, hey, listen, and listen, every player obviously wasn't going to be a first-round pick. Um, but in terms of the sales pitch to those players, he could. He's the, he's the best chance they had in the country at achieving their dreams of being – a high-level NFL draftable prospect and being an, a, a great college football player. No coach in the country had a better track record of turning elite NFL elite college prospects into NFL draftable talent. Nobody. No, nobody. So that's the difference now. Kevin DeBoer, he's, he's a fantastic coach. I think he's a hell of a coach. He's going to win a lot of games at Alabama. But he ain't the GOAT. No. And only the GOAT could offer you that. Yeah, no, and that's uh, – I know Alabama fans were hopeful that they could keep him because they've already lost Isaiah Bond, obviously. Nope. Um, but, yeah, Caleb Downs, that's big. That's really big. 
And, you know, that'll – It won't be the last. That won't, no, probably not. <laughs> but we will say again, the clock is kind of running because school's starting. I mean, I know people will kind of snicker at that, but there is still a factor – you know, to, to be eligible to play football, you've got to be enrolled in class. You've got to take classes. I yeah. mean, that still is part of the deal. And they have, like, the add drop period. Whatever school's add drop period, the end of that, they have to the end of that. Yeah, so you're talking so about two like weeks. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that. So they still got, like, a little window after classes have started. But you're right. It's shrinking. It's shrinking. Fast. Which is, you wonder why, if that's what, what uh, Jim Harbaugh is planning to do. is kind of, because you said this yesterday, and I don't disagree with it, that, that you know, Jim Harbaugh could be trying to back a Michigan into a corner, mm-hmm. that they that they promote his guy, Sharon Wright, his yeah. uh, his offensive coordinator, who took over for six games while he was suspended. Because if you if you wait too long here, you know, Michigan needs a coach. I mean, quite honestly. And you know Jim Harbaugh, if he's planning to go to the NFL, he can slow play this. I mean, he's in with the Falcons. He's in with the Chargers. He waits the Super Bowl over all that kind of stuff. He, and we told you the report from um, – from Yahoo Sports yesterday, Dan Wetzel, that he's, his, his agents are negotiating this contract extension with, the, with Michigan that is – it's got all these little details about, you know, immunity and can't fire me if the NCAA punishes, all these things. Um, but, you know, is that just a stall tactic? Because the Michigan's pressing him. Hey, man. This contract's on the table. Like, Can tough. we sign this thing? <laughs> I know you said you want your guy to look at it. It's been like a week. Yeah. How long does it take him to look at it? But the other part of it is if you're trying to trying to back Michigan into a spot where, you know, it's going to be hard to hire a new coach because mm-hmm. it's too so so late in the process. But also it could be late for the, the if you want if you want your buddy to get the job, you also don't want the roster to run away. Mm-hmm. And it gets tougher and tougher as these windows close. And they'd have to wait until the spring, right? The spring window after spring practice is when the next time the window would open. And, you know, the enrollment of class thing becomes a factor as well. Huge so, factor. Yeah. Because so, so if, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're leaving, you want your guy to have the best chance to succeed, which would mean as many of those players stay. Now, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. That's us speculating. But we're watching it with, with Alabama. You know, Nick Saban leaves. And now Isaiah Bonds, a Longhorn. Mm-hmm. Caleb Downs into the portal. And we'll see, as you say, there's still some other guys that could jump in. Because Caleb, Caleb DeVore is on campus trying to secure. He's trying to salvage as much as he can. Salvage as much as he can. How many great players want to stay? Yeah, because that's, that was the selling point for Alabama to any coach. Was Man, this is a really talented roster, but exactly. if you can't keep it. I mean, you already lost one of your leading receivers, and now you lost one of your best young DBs. Yeah. and That guy was a five-star DB coming in. And played like it. And yeah. played big time. He's a good player, man. Big time football. And um, he was young, too, right? Was he a sophomore or something? Freshman. Freshman. So he'd be a sophomore this, I'm saying. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be a sophomore. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's brutal. Well, now now the uh, the vultures will be coming for him. I mean, names like Georgia, Ohio State, you know, Texas, I don't know. We'll see. Caleb Downs in the uh, portal. Yeah, Texas. I mean, Texas is looking at Jabbar Muhammad, so they're looking at corners. And why wouldn't they look at a safety? They just brought in Makuba. Why wouldn't you be looking at another safety? You've lost – You've lost seven DBs and I believe six of them. Sorry, you lost seven DBs and five of them are safeties, if I'm not mistaken. Well, keep an eye on that. Apparently, when he, right. what I'm reading, when he committed to Alabama, it was down to te- Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Georgia would still give you what you're saying if Kirby Smart is there. That's the second best guy, Bart, but bringing you in, yeah. playing for championships, and putting you into the National Football League. Because remember, when Nick Saban was rolling at Alabama, I mean, NFL scouts were coming to their practices during the week. I mean, this is because they knew that's where the talent was, mm-hmm. and they wanted to, like you did, Rod, when you were playing. You know, you were covering Roy Williams and B.J. Johnson and the best receivers in the country. Those, that's what the scouts want to see. They want to see these guys in practice, exactly going right. head to head. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I can't tell much when you're playing, you know, Southeast Louisiana, or I can't tell much even when you're playing Ole Miss. I need to see y'all in practice. Let's see how exactly this goes. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's then that, that was always a, a sell for Nick that uh, Coach Saban was. You know, we got scouts at our practice, y'all. I mean, our, the NFL scouts are here <laughs> during yeah. the week. Why wouldn't they be? It makes their job easier. It's like, man, half of my guys, I got a, I got a scout right here. Yeah. I got to go to like two, three practices. I got to go to Georgia. I got to go to Alabama's, Ohio State's. <laughs> well, that's and I, the thing. I do those three, and, then, and now you want to throw Texas in there and throw Michigan in there. I go to like four or five schools, and I, I, got, I got like 40% of my scouting done. Well, the other part <laughs> of that is how many times have we heard recruiting stories where a coach goes to watch one player and finds another. You know, NFL scouts are there to watch the five-star, but all of a sudden this, this you know, four-star, our three-star guys blowing up. It's like, who's that guy? Yeah. I like him. I yep. mean, we got a third-round pick, that's you what, know, fourth-round pick. Yeah. No, that's no big. That's a big sell. Totally agree. And uh, that's – I said this yesterday. I, was, I watched Kalen DeBoer meet with the players for the first time in Alabama. They put out that video. And he did a nice job, but that is such a difficult thing to walk in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got these this whole room of players who, who are listening to Nick Saban, who's maybe the – not maybe. He is the best that's ever done it. Uh, and we've seen all those uh, videos of him. He's so good in that moment mm-hmm. when he's de- you know delivering a message to his team. None better. And Kalen DeBoer walks in for his first introduction speech. That's a big, big challenge. It's a big moment, man. How do you grab that group? I mean, they're used to they're used to the goat. 
And yeah. now you got to grab them because uh, you're trying to keep them. And you want to be impressive. You do. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be phony. You want to be genuine. Got to be yourself, but you also want to make sure you're you're coming off strong. Uh, that's a tough, tough sell, man. That's a tough job. That's why nobody wants to follow a goat. Yeah, man. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. you know you want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the goat, but not following the goat. And uh, Nick Saban, you're talking about <laughs> um, here in college football. Uh, nobody's ever done it as well as Nick Saban. No. And, 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 and those players in that room have seen it firsthand. And they know lived it. it. Yeah. They've and lived it. I just yeah. I think I think by the way, I still think Kevin DeBoer is a hell of a coach. So I I, I like I, do too. I love the hire. I think oh. he's going to be a hell of a coach. But you're talking about the other challenges uh, they deal with right now, which are outside of the coaching realm and trying to salvage as much as he can of this roster. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much that high-end talent he's going to be able to keep. I mean, as long as you keep your quarterback, you should be all right. Keep your QB there, and you Taylor should be Milrow, okay. Yeah. You'll be able to recruit some talent. His system, it, it works really well. But um, this is a guy that's done more with less. That's why I like Kaylee DeBoer. This is, even with all the departures, it'll still be arguably the most talented roster that he's had <laughs> overall, oh, yeah. Yeah. period. Like Indiana or Washington, for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch this play out over the next couple. I mean, everything's been interesting these days. It's all happening in real time and real fast, to say the least. With that in mind, let's get to the other top stories of the morning. Caleb Downs into the portal. The other top stories, let's hit them. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you those top stories with their brand-new location, Texas Football. Now, Longhorns added two more players through that transfer portal yesterday. Both came down yesterday afternoon following his weekend visit. Uh, former Oregon statewide receiver, the speedster Silas Bolden, committed to Texas. 5'8", 160-pound speedster, fresh off a breakout season as a junior in Corvallis. Uh, caught 54 balls, 700 yards plus, five touchdowns. He's the third wide receiver addition through the portal for the Longhorns in the cycle. Isaiah Bond from Alabama, as we talked about. Houston grad, uh, Houston transfer, Matthew. You Golden as well, and like Bolden, Golden projects as a. Uh, they both project as uh, as return men as well in the Longhorn special teams. Speaking of that Longhorn special teams unit, they were also bolstered yesterday. Former Alabama linebacker and special teams ace Kendrick Blackshire committed to the Longhorns. He's a senior to be, originally from Duncanville. Critical piece of Alabama special teams units the last three years. Also saw time as a reserve middle linebacker in the Bama defense. In Columbus yesterday, Ohio State made it official hiring Ross Bjork to be the school's new athletic director. 51-year-old has been the AD at A&M since 2019. He'll begin his new position on July the 1st and succeed Gene Smith, who's been in that role since 2005. Coaching developments from the NFL, Pittsburgh. Uh, head coach Mike Tomlin informed his team yesterday that he plans to be back coaching the Steelers next season. Called any media reports that he is considering stepping aside or leaving unfounded and untrue. Also yesterday, the Atlanta Falcons completed an interview with Michigan's Jim Harbaugh for their vacant head coaching role. And according to the Dallas Morning News, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones will meet with head coach Mike McCarthy at some point this week uh, to discuss the future, along with the team's latest January letdown. Sports Illustrated reports that the meeting could be more of a job interview for Mike McCarthy, who's going into the final year of his contract. In college basketball, on her birthday, Aaliyah Moore scored 17 points to lead Texas to a win over Kansas last night. 11th ranked Kansas, or 11th ranked Longhorns, win at 91-56. Texas men with the same floor tonight at Moody Center, looking to bounce back from their weekend loss at West Virginia. They'll host Central Florida. Both teams enter with uh, one and two records in Big 12 play. That's a 7 o'clock tip tonight. Big 12 hoops last night. K-State rallied the top ninth-ranked Baylor in overtime in a good one. 68-64. Both teams now 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. Cincinnati top TCU in overtime as well. 81-77. Kansas rolled past Oklahoma State 90-66. And BYU cruised past Iowa State um, 87-72. Good one in the NBA last night. Joel Embiid, 41 points, had 10 assists to lead the 76ers past the Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets, 126-121 in a matchup and battle of the last two NBA MVPs. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, that uh, nine number, that nine point uh, uh, that nine-point number that the Ravens are favored by is a pretty big number. Um, I feel good about the Texans keeping it within the nine points. I do. I feel good about that. That's. I believe the number right now is that Lamar Jackson is seventeen and one when he, anytime he's favored regular season or postseason by nine points or more. So the Ravens, you know, they they got a good chance to win the game. I'll pick the Ravens to win, but I do think the Texans will keep it close. I don't know if they'll pull the upset though. Ravens have been. Arguably the best team in the league in the last five or six weeks of the season, even though they didn't play all their guys and rested everybody that last week. Um, nobody had more impressive dominant wins this season late down down the stretch than the Ravens. I like the Texans, but I don't love the Texans in that matchup. 
and another extra week to prepare. I will say they probably the Ravens probably spent extra time thinking maybe that the Browns would be able to win the games. I think the Browns were a favorite in that game, but they have an advantage, kind of an advantage, because the Browns are a team they play twice a year, so they have a they already have a note. They already have notes, and they already have their uh, file on the Browns pretty much in the game plan. And they played the Texans earlier this year, so they do have somewhere to start game plan wise against the Texans. The Texans are a much different team. And with C.J. Stroud's maturity, he'll keep him in the game because he won't make the big mistake, or at least he hasn't made the big mistake. And that's the only thing that I think will implode the Texans' chances. They'll keep it close. The defense actually is getting better too, especially now they're getting healthier. Derek Stingley's playing at a really high level. They do have a, a pass rush with Jonathan Grenard and with Will Anderson. So I think it'll be closer than the line indicates, but I don't think the Texans will be able to pull off the win. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We had the numbers earlier and what the facts are, what the facts are right before 7 o'clock where uh, in his last uh, 10, Matt, in 10 games for Lamar Jackson when he's a 9-point or more favorite, it's 1-9 and nine against yeah. the number. But as you said, they win the game. They win the game. They win the game mm-hmm. at a very high game. level. So that kind of lines up if you're a gambler out there uh, with, with Texans. And if you didn't watch the week one matchup, the Texans kept it close. I mean, it was a 17-9 to football game in the fourth quarter, and the Texans had the ball and a chance down eight to go try to, um, you know, get back, you know, get, get the game tied or within two points or one point. And the, the, the Texans began that game with a banged-up offensive line, and in the game they, yes. had, they had other injuries, and there was a strip sack fumble of uh, C.J. Stroud. One interception because he didn't throw an interception in the game, but a strip sack fumble where the new right tackle who just walked on the field got beat. Uh, and he actually was a guard who they moved to tackle, <laughs> and he got whipped, and the ball came out. Uh, Ravens recovered and went in for a touchdown, I, I think a couple plays later. So a 17-9 game became 25-9, yeah. which was the final score. But it was a one-score game into the fourth quarter. This one could be a lot like that um, with the Ravens coming off of that. Uh, by the way, off the bullish and BS, guys, which as we sit here on a Wednesday, we can drill down on this as we get closer to the games on Saturday and Sunday. Which of the underdogs are you most bullish on? Is there one that really jumps off the screen like they could actually really win? The, I mean, I mean the Chiefs are the obvious answer because it's a, inside a three-point line. They're in Buffalo. You know, I, you know, Bills are favored, but two, two and a half. Buccaneers at Lions, Packers at Niners, Texans at Ravens. It feels like the favorites have big, big advantages here. Is there one of those real underdogs that you feel like could pull? Which one's most likely to pull an upset? Yeah, outside the Chiefs is what we're saying. Yeah, I, the Chiefs. I think Chiefs Bills is you know flip the coin. Two great quarterbacks. They're uh, so familiar with one another. They just played a couple months ago. I know the weeks crazy. Ago. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the crazy thing is, I feel like it could be the Texans. Ooh, but I don't. I I, I I don't think any of them are. I don't think there are any upsets actually. But I do think that one that's more most likely after the Chiefs would probably be the Texans. There you go. Because I don't think the Packers are gonna. I don't think they are gonna beat the 49ers. And I don't think that upset is likely. I don't either. What's and that? What's that? Nine number? and a half. Nine and a half. No, so that's even bigger. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think I don't see that one. That opened at ten, by the way, and it came down to nine and a half. People got on the Packers, uh, and Buc- the Buc- De- Buccaneers. Buc- are- yeah, Detroit, man. I don't know. I guess the Buc- I guess we gotta look at the Bucks more. I guess we. You know what? I, I will admit I've not watched the Bucks enough. I've watched them like three or four times this year. I, I, we have been kind of banging the drum for Baker Mayfield on this show um, because he has been playing really well. But, yeah, I don't know why I think the Detroit Lions are just rolling. It's just they, the Detroit Lions right now have the best mojo. <laughs> yeah, they going. do. They do. And, and, right? and, and you like Baker, but at the same time, you know, I heard Chris Collinsworth say this after they beat the Rams, and that game was awesome. Uh, the, uh, the other games were blowouts this weekend. It really weren't that entertaining uh, for the most part outside of the weather. <laughs> but this game was awesome. That was 24-23, yeah. went to the wire. And Chris Collinsworth said, you know, this was their toughest game. To beat Matt Stafford. To beat their former quarterback, all the emotion yes, of that. Yes, that's a good one. Um, First uh, playoff game at home in how long? Oh, man, 30-something 30, 30 years. years. Jared, yeah. Jared Goff being able to, to play his former team and the emotion of that and you know, whatever angst and animosity he has towards Sean So you don't see a letdown there, that's no. what you're saying. No, I don't. I don't either. I think emotion is riding a high, which is actually going to help them. because they're, And usually I think that emotion can be bad for a team, but Dan Campbell feeds off of it. And his teams, they they feed off that emotional energy. And Jerry Goff, listen, he's – I thought in that game, you just brought up a great point about, you know, for him that's an emotional game, right? He's going Big up against time. a team that traded him, uh, you know, so going to, he wants to play really well against Sean McVay. Sean McVay knows him really well. 
So he you knows. Got, you got the fans chanting Jared Goff yeah. during, like, in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, they're come on, Jared. I mean, they're, they're they're so invested in this team. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Oh my Jared God, got a ton of pressure, man. Yes. First game, first home playoff game in thirty years, and under that pressure, with all of that on the line, all Jared Goff did was set career playoff highs in completion percentage, yards per attempt, and passer rating. All he did was play his best playoff game, arguably, of his career in that game. That's all he did with all that pressure. His postseason averages going into that game were a 57% completion percentage. He was 81. He was almost 82% completion percentage. Yards per attempt average, 6.6. He was at 10.3. His yard, his passer rating, 121. His passer rating on average in the playoffs, 79. I mean, he had a monster game. Well, and I will just say this. Just a monster uh, game. We didn't appreciate it enough. He I, really did. Uh, it was awesome. And, and to, more importantly, maybe most importantly, when it was, it's a one-point game. It's 24-23. Lions have the ball and a chance to, you know, most coaches in this league would have run the ball three times and kicked the ball and then taken the chance. Dan Campbell, on second down, threw the ball. Yeah. Uh, put the ball in his quarterback's hands to complete a pass to Amon Ross St. Brown for a first down to end the game. Yeah. to never give the ball back. This is how Dan Campbell coaches. And he trusted his quarterback in that yeah. moment to make a throw because a lot of coaches would say, man, the risk is too, too high here. Yep. A, the clock's going to stop if it's incomplete, could throw a pick, ball could get tipped, he could get sacked, who knows. Uh, nope, no. They come out of the timeout, they throw the ball, they get the first down, now they're taking a knee. Yeah, you, you do that with a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're yeah. like, oh, I trust my Hall of Famer, he'll get yeah. it done. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. and that's Dan Campbell, right? And sometimes he gets him beat. The other thing about the Lions, why I think they're, I don't say they're bulletproof, but I think they're, they're a favorite for the right reason, their offensive line is underrated, Rod. Yes, it is. You know, they, you know Panay Sewell is a right tackle, but because you would think he'd be a left tackle, but he's one of the best linemen in this league. And if you watch the game the other night, they ran right a lot with David Montgomery. They run right behind him, mm-hmm. uh, and they have a strong running game with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Agreed, you just yeah. heard Nick Boza. You played it last hour. you got to run the ball and stop the run in this league. I think the Lions can do both. I, don't think, I think the Buccaneers ran into a team that had, had packed up their, their stuff and ready to go in Philadelphia. Could be, yeah. And I'm not going to you know, say anything negative about the Bucks and the year Baker Mayfield is at because he's been phenomenal. I think they're walking into a, no pun intended, or maybe all pun intended, a lion's den. Uh, they're walking yeah. into a lion's den. I don't yeah. like their chances. And look, I'm, not, I'm a Houston fan. We know that. But I, this, this Baltimore team with fresh rest and two weeks to prepare for this team, I think they, I think they can keep it close. I don't know if they can win it. And the Niners-Packers, um, man, I, the, the, Niners, the Packers haven't been able to beat the Niners with Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. Now you're going in with Jordan Love. I think because, look, at the end of the day, if you're a football fan, if you're a Texans fan, you'd love to see it. But big picture, the best two teams all year have been the Niners and the Ravens. Mm. And they're your one seeds. If you get a matchup with Ravens, either Bills or Chiefs, that's a hell of an AFC championship game to go to the Super Bowl because the Chiefs are Patrick Mahomes. The Bills have gotten hot and, you know, they've won seven in a row now. If they beat the yeah. Chiefs, it'll be seven straight. And over in the NFC, if you get Niners-Lions, where the Lions, remember the Lions beat the Chiefs to start the year, and they've been having a, you know, they had a little bit of a lull, but they've gotten it back. That would be that would be two really good championship games, because those would be the four teams that have, those proven would themselves. be four teams proven oh, all year long. All the seventeen games yes. that they have been the steadiest and the most consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you and that's that. why they're the one and two seeds or the one and three seeds essentially uh, in this playoffs. Which essentially, they all hell, the Detroit Lions are they? Would there have been a the Cowboys win away from getting the two seed? Yes, the Cowboys win. That, yeah, that two-point conversion. Yeah, point. exactly. So they were, they were really close. They that, were really that, close. That, that two-seed right there, too. And the thing about the Ravens is why I think the Ravens are going to win. But I said the Texans, I think they're going to play well. The Ravens won't be surprised by the Texans. They won't be overlooking the Texans. You brought this up yesterday, so I'll just read the quote. After week one, John Harbaugh, un, unsolicited, by the way, came out at his post-game press conference and said, really proud of our – this is when they come out like, oh, start the press conference, really proud of our guys. He said, really proud of our guys and really proud of the win against a good Houston team. I've said this before about certain teams early in the season. They're going to win a lot of football games this year. Mark it down. You'll see. That's a good young football team. That was after week one. And it turns out it was prophetic because <laughs> he pretty much, uh, before anybody else was on that bandwagon, looks like John Harbaugh was, he won't, they won't be surprised by the Texans and how good they are. No. They won't. They, he, he knows all too well that C.J. Stroud's special, and they also know that this, the defense is a little underrated for the Texans as well because of D'Amico. Yeah. 
at what he can bring. And that thing, that, that yeah. defense held their own against the, that, that, that team in week one, but that's a, ages ago now. Uh, one other note for Houston on that is how good Laramie Tunsil is playing, their Pro Bowl tackle. Yes, you know, a lot of people when the All-Pro teams were announced were surprised that Tyron Smith of the Cowboys was second-team All-Pro over Laramie Tunsil. Uh, for what he's done in Houston this year. How about Laramie Tunsil's last two games against the Colts? These are two playoff games, essentially, mm-hmm. Colts and Browns. And the Colts have a great pass rush, and the Browns have Miles Garrett. Last two games, 51 pass-blocking snaps, two pressures allowed, no sacks. So you, you know that uh, C.J.'s backside is going to be protected against this really good Ravens defense. Yeah, I want to ask uh, Kelvin Banks, uh, who do you watch, who do you admire? Larry Thompson was one of, his, one of his guys. Yeah. Well, and he got <laughs> out in front of that uh, Nico Collins touchdown last week where they ran that little throwback screen. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah. Laramie Tunsil out leading the way. Oh, you know what I found out? I went back and rewatched that Nico, you know, the, um, the, 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 the overthrow by C.J. Stroud on the Nico Collins deep ball. Yeah. That was on Nico. He kind of stumbled. He stumbled. You know why he stumbles? Because he looks up too early. Yeah. As soon as he kind of gets, gets past the DB, he starts looking this up. This was right before the half. Yeah, he starts looking up, and not only does looking up slow you down, but like you said, it also may cause you to stumble a little bit. If he just actually, once he gets past the DB, and if he just sprints for another five yards straight ahead without under looking up, he runs right under that thing. And I think that's why C.J. threw it where he was. He was, th- he was gauging Nico's speed and gauging, you know, obviously the trajectory and thought to himself, okay, I'm just going to loft it up there for him. And I think he thought, oh, Nico is faster than that. Nico is faster than that. Nico started looking up early. Anytime you look up, guys, you slow down. You slow down a lot. Even coaches will tell you as a DB, when you're beat, don't look back. Just look at the receiver and sprint toward the receiver first. And then once you get to the receiver, you will acquire the target. Then look back. So he slowed himself down. I think he looked up probably a uh, half a second too early. And I think if he did, he'd have ran right under that thing. Well, and to your point on that, if that ball is completed, because that was early second quarter or midway second quarter, he then threw the long one to Dalton Schultz before the half. If they connect on that wide open touchdown, which typically they hit, with C.J. Stroud, he would have had a 300-yard-plus four-touchdown first half against yeah. the number one defense in pro football. That's it's pretty good. Number one pass defense in <laughs> pro football. He would, have, he would have 300 yards and four touchdowns in the first half in, first in that half. game, which goes to, yeah, the, 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 the Ravens won't overlook the Texans, but the Texans won't fear the Ravens. No. They'll walk in there with the belief that they, they can win that game. And they shouldn't because they got C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And D'Amico Ryans has really cultivated some, some faith uh, in this group, their belief in this group. C.J. Stroud on deep balls, though. Here's his because he's been the best deep ball passer in the NFL all season long. Basically, he has the second highest completion percentage on passes 20 yards or more down the field. He's first in yards, second in yards per attempt on deep balls, and he's first in turnover uh, turnover worthy plays uh, on deep balls, which is are the fewest. And his passing grade overall is second on on deep passes. He's the best deep ball thrower in the league, arguably as a rookie. He's been great on those. So I, I put less of that on CJ. I think CJ, now that I went back and looked at it, it was laid out there perfectly. Nico just, uh, I think Nico knew when he got when he was wide open and he didn't see any DB in front of him. And he the DB that was in his periphery, that was, he, he, he had passed that guy up. He got giddy and got happy and looked up immediately. And he thought because there was no DB out in front of him, I think he believed CJ would put it on a line. CJ would put it more on the line, then put the arc on it and put that and, and throw that moonbeam shot and have him run under it. I think he thought, oh, he's gonna put it more on the line. I gotta look up and I'm gonna have to catch it uh, in front of me rather than over the shoulder. Hey, coming back, we'll pick up those conversations. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain, and of course, at the bottom of this hour, we'll be at the turn. Rod, we'll be halfway at through our turn. Wednesday conversation. We'll have that coming up, and then at the turn, Rod, with a little golf chatter, I'm gonna let you hear why NBC. Leasing five one two three four six ninety nine seventy seven or AppleLeasing.com. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Certainly is. Hopefully you got over to Callahan's ahead of the freeze to get your house and all of your necessities freeze protected. And then you can come out of this freeze. It's going to be in the 70, almost 70 degrees tomorrow, Rod. 
Now it's time to start getting that that lawn winterized and uh, all the things we've talked about coming off that first freeze. Get the get the things taken care of. Callahan's General Store, uh, locally owned and family operated since 1978. Also, big golf fans, they want to help you keep your your yard golf course condition and golf course ready uh, year round. And we announced our uh, our golf course of the month is Great Hills Country Club. We'll be telling you more about Great Hills as the uh, month goes on here of January. But speaking of January, Rod, how about this? Uh, Star-studded field this week for the um, the eighteen the, the 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 event at La Quinta, uh, the American mm-hmm. Express event. Now there won't be a defending champion because John Rahm won this last year, and he's now playing on the Live Tour, so he will not be there this weekend. Yeah. But uh, Scotty Scheffler, ten of the top twenty-five players in the world, will tee it up starting tomorrow. Uh, Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele will play near near his home. Wyndham Clark, Tony Finau, Jason Day, just to name a few. But I wanted to play this for you in front of our audience because you know golf fans are. Kind of like baseball fans, college football fans, rather very opinionated. They're old school. They watch mm-hmm. golf their whole lives, right? And you know, generations of golf fans. So whenever a new analyst comes on, like a TV analyst, there's always, oh man, is this guy going to be any good, right? And there's always a harsh critique. It's kind of like color man, color guys in NFL games or baseball. Uh, but so Kevin Kisner, who's a long, you know, former Georgia Bulldog, and PGA Tour player, he has been essentially selected by NBC to be one of their new golf analysts. Okay. And I wanted to play this for you. This is probably why. He's telling, listen to this. He's telling this story about, um, he's, he's on a podcast, golf-centric podcast, and he's talking about playing in the President's Cup. You know, President's Cup and Ryder Cup, you're playing team golf. And he's talking about uh, the year he played in the President's Cup, and he got matched. Steve Stricker was the captain, and he matched him up with Phil Mickelson. Okay. And listen to him. T- and this is, they're about to play alternate shot, which is you hit a ball, Rod, I hit a ball. You hit a ball, I hit a ball. It, it takes compatibility. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's right. really hard to do because you've got to play with someone who fits your game uh, and you get mad at the guy if he keeps putting you in bad spots. Bad situation, yeah. You, you, or you feel bad because you put him in a bad spot. You're trying to, trying to find like personality. So listen to Kevin Kisner telling this story. Uh, and this goes into the unique character that Phil Mickelson is too, but maybe why uh, Kevin Kisner is going to be a rising star on the TV side of things now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, as a former player. On Wednesday, Strick's like, hey, kids, uh, we're switching up the pods today, and you're going to go with Phil, and I can't remember. It was like Cooch and DJ, Phil, Cooch, and DJ. Mm. That's who it was because we play a big money match on that day, and we're just getting slaughtered out there. We get done, we lose. I'm like, Strick, pull Strick aside. I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, why am I playing with Phil? I literally in my pregame was like, I can't play with Phil. I hit all the fairways. Phil never hits one. I don't know how to play with that guy. And he's like, well, Phil has an astronomer that graded all the two teams and you got the highest grade and so he's basically just told us that he wasn't playing with anyone but you so i was like okay that's the weirdest i've ever heard in my life so i go talk to phil i'm like so what's up with this astronomer because not only that kids every time i hit a shot i need you to face me with your belly because all your energy comes from your belly and i can pull your energy before every shot whatever the next day and sure enough he doesn't Get one, man. Every time he goes to hit, he's like, kiss, kiss, here, stand right here. I'm like, Jesus, this is the weirdest shit I've ever done in my life. And we missed one fairway in that match, an alternate shot on Thursday, and I missed it. He hit every fairway wow. that was his tee balls. I missed one fairway, and we drummed J-Day and Mark Leishman on win. There you go. That's pretty crazy. And the and pictures of it, they're showing the video of it, and they're like, they're like it's almost like they're, they're pump, you're bumping you-know-whats. Like, like Phil's trying to get to, and get to his belly to that get his crazy. energy. That is wild. <laughs> is that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? And, and Phil had an astrologer? Yes. To, <laughs> to grade everybody. And find out who had the best, basically the best mojo based yeah. on their sign? Yeah. Was, wow. <laughs> that is next level. All that because he had some money and he put some money down on it? Well, <laughs> well no, no, no. He, they were actually in play in the President's Cup. He was talking about earlier in the week they had played a big money game because those golfers That's Monday, what I'm saying because like, they playing. had some money on it, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but, then when, then, but then when Stricker matched them together it was surprising because they're like, why am I playing with him? Wow. I can't play with this guy. He can't hit the fairway. I hit all the fairway. So there's Kevin Kisner, a little taste of why That's crazy. NBC's tabbing him because he'll tell stories like that. He's very funny, very witty. Cool. 
And yeah, Phil's a weirdo. That's but it worked. Great, that's he got that stomach story. mojo, stomach energy. Man, that's wild. <laughs> That is crazy. That's pretty funny. Uh, there's half the turn. They'll tee it off at La Quinta tomorrow. They're, uh, the star-studded field will keep you posted uh, because they're back in the States now, move, making the California swing, coming out of Hawaii on the PGA Tour. And that's At the Turn, brought to you by our friends at Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? is behind that curtain. All right, the Longhorns have been very busy via the transfer portal in the last 24 hours. Uh, of course, adding to the wide receiver room, a big topic in the offseason. They lost about 80% of their receiving production uh, via the draft and exhausted eligibility when you, you count the three wide receivers they're losing and Jay Witt, X-Man, and A.D. Mitchell, and J.T. Sanders leaving at tight end, and Jonathan Brooks. I mean, that's just a lot of production overall. Um, Going to be tough to replace it all, and Sark is starting by stockpiling wide receivers um, from the transfer report. Still bringing in some guys um, who, who are going to be part of the recruiting class and some guys who are already on campus right now, but we're just focusing on the transfer portal guys who are just becoming uh, on campus. We know Matthew Golden was uh, he's the first uh, member of that wide receiver room to come in and acquired via the transfer portal. Sark said after that, they weren't done, and he wasn't kidding. They got Isaiah Bond. We talked about that, the leading uh, receptions leader, I should say, for the Alabama Crimson Tide last year, um, but now uh, the wide receiver from Oregon State, Silas Bolden, their leading receiver, 54 receptions, 741 yards, and 5 touchdowns. He is also uh, going to join the Longhorn wide receiving room via the transfer portal. So that makes three guys uh, they're bringing in who are proven commodities um, and that's important. He's uh, bringing in productivity and proven commodities. So you know Isaiah Bond, you know Silas Bolden. They are likely, in my opinion, to crack that circle of trust of wide receivers for Sark, um, but there's no guarantee. Uh, but he's bringing in, he's giving himself a lot of options and a lot of, uh, like I said, proven commodities and productivity in that room. Now if you get Jonte Cook and young guys like DeAndre Moore to step up and play well, Ryan Wingo coming in, then I think that's added, uh, you know, that's an added bonus for you. But in case those young guys are having some growing pains and in case, you know, there's an injury, I'm knock on wood, and in case there's an injury to a young guy or something like that, um, you will have m- multiple options to and contingency plans to help uh, you kind of boost that wide receiver room in Quinn Ewers last year on the 40 acres. So I, I love the move they're making. They're looking at the portal with a sense of urgency, especially at the wide receiver position. And there's a common trait that I think you're starting to see with all these wide receivers they're bringing in, whether the transfer portal or whether that's you know organically in the uh, traditional recruiting. All these guys can run. A lot of speed, a lot of speed and explosive, uh, dynamic uh, potential with these wide receivers. Speed is Isaiah Bond. He's like a 10-4, 10-5 guy. Ryan, uh, you go look at Ryan Wingo. He's a 10-5 guy. Um, you go look at uh, you know Aaron Butler, who they're bringing in in the recruiting class. Silas Bolden, we just talked about. Jante Cook, Matthew Golden. They're not top-end speed guys. You're not talking about guys who are going to go sub-10-6 sub in 100 meters, but you're also talking about guys who are maybe just as quick as they are fast, and they are explosive athletes, meaning getting in and out of breaks. Uh, Jonte Cook was a long jumper and a triple jumper. You know, Silas Bowden, you go watch his film. He's out 5'8", about 160 maybe. Uh, but there is no doubt he has a twitchy, very twitchy ability as a uh, wide receiver. So I think Sarks is recruiting dynamic, explosive talent at wide receiver. It's a deep wide receiver room. I do wonder if he'll expand his circle of trust, maybe rotate more than three wide receivers um, and potentially even throw out a package when he used at Alabama when he loved his wide receiver room, but he had first, you know, the four first-round wide receivers in Judy, Waddle, Ruggs, and Devontae Smith. But he used what he called the red package, which was a 10-personnel package, one back, zero tight ends, and it was four wide receivers on the field. Nightmare fuel for any defensive coordinator. But that's what you want to do. You want to present the defense what would be – to them the most uh, uh, what they fear the most, right? Present them with what they fear the most, uh, what they least like to be uh, presented with, what presents them with the most problems, and a possible red package with four wide receivers on the field could present a defense with all types of issues because you 
just don't have the speed to match up with it. You combine that with a Jaden Blue in the backfield, fastest running back uh, that was tracked by Real Analytics last year as a ball carrier. I know you're losing X-Man, but it's still possible that Texas could have the fastest offense in the country next season when you're combining all these wide receiver acquisitions and a guy like Jaden Blue in the backfield too. Yeah, and as we said earlier, I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're watching the film of Texas this year, and you're saying, okay, that's got it. You know, there's their speed receiver and X-Man, uh, A.D. Mitchell. Maybe we put our bigger corner, you know, on mm-hmm. matchup there because get some size, get some length, we'll reroute him a little bit. And Jordan Whittington, you know, he's more of a running back out there, the physical player. Well, I mean, think about it the other way. Now you're watching film and you're going, look, he's really fast. Yeah, he's really, really fast. No, that guy's real fast. You know, we don't have enough fast guys. What are we doing here? Exactly. <laughs> Time <know>? out. <laughs> Time out. Time out. We ain't got enough fast guys out there. Yeah. Ex- and they got, they got four track guys out there. And now what are we doing? And it, it is shades of when Sark was at Alabama when he had, as you said, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, these are all first-round receivers. And what are you going to do? I mean, you pick it. And, and, that, and you're, now you have a veteran offensive line and a yep. third-year quarterback saying, okay, where's the matchup? Exactly. Yeah, that dude can't run with that dude. Yeah, I've, done this guy. I've, I've watched. I've watched the film. This is a bad matchup for them. So yeah, I just think interesting. I'm not saying that this be your yeah, you identity. Don't go, you don't go Mike Leach, and that's your offense all yes, the time. But you sprinkle it in like you do the pony package. You sprinkle it in. You know, five to ten percent of your plays. I think it'd be a nice change of pace for Texas. And listen, J.T. Sanders is no longer on the Fort Acres, and J.T. Sanders demanded because of his unique skill set. He was a matchup nightmare. That guy didn't need to leave the field. Because <laughs> there wasn't, you know, your third wide receiver wasn't better than J.T. Sanders. Um, but now with J.T. Sanders gone, it's possible. I like Gunnar Helm, but he's no J.T. Sanders. And you're not going to bring in anybody via the transfer report that's going to give you that type of unique athleticism. It's worth it at times, situationally, based on the matchup, maybe at times to bring out a, a four wide receiver package and blitz an oppo- opposing team with speed. So I think just as a change of pace, I think it's something you might consider. And these receivers that he's bringing in, either are all starting to look the same. I mean, Sark has a type, by the way. You know, you look at his receivers. He's got a type. He likes small, slight, speedy guys, right, speed demons. Uh, that's what Aaron Butler is uh, that he's bringing in this class. That's what Xavier Worthy was. Uh, Solace Bowden's going to be a small, speedy guy. Uh, even Jontae Cook, I mean, he's not really big. He's probably about six foot. He's bigger than most. But Matthew Golden kind of fits that as well. Um, you know, Ryan Niblett probably fits that. He's got a type. If you looked at all of my ex-girlfriends, you'd probably see I had a type too, right? Uh, maybe it's big booty brunette women. I don't know. But he's got a type. And his <laughs> Likes small is yeah right. He likes smallest, speedy receivers, and I think now he's getting more of his types. Like you said, he's going away from you know the the, the possession receiver with the speedy guy like X Man and the versatility uh, and variety of a Jay Witt, who's a hybrid kind of receiver. Now that he's been here long enough, seems like he's stockpiling all guys who are very similar. They're all five. Nine to you know to five eleven, one eighty to one ninety, and speed and explosive twitchiness seems to be the, a commonality. And Sark says he wants to go with position fluidity. He would like ideally all of his receivers to play different positions and know them conceptually. It seems like now he's Getting trending there. that way. He's trending that way. To your point on Gunnar Helm in the tight end position too. The there is a player in the portal, uh, and that's Alabama's Amari Nyblack, who was the number one yeah. tight end in the 2022 cycle. Caught 20 passes for 327 yards and four touchdowns for the Crimson Tide. What a touchdown on Texas, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Amari yeah. Nyblack, or number 84. Um, he's not as big as uh, JT Sanders is and was, but he's got that speed to him. He's got that, that, that wingspan, yeah. that big tight end, Amari Nyblack. And we also mentioned the kid out of Stanford who's in the portal, who's yeah. supposed to visit Texas. Uh, he was a three-year player at Stanford. Um, you know, six four and two forty, two forty five, more of that inline blocker, but can also be a pass catcher. Keep an eye on both of those two guys because the Longhorns have attacked receiver. They've attacked a couple key places on defense with mm-hmm. with uh, Makuba, Makuba and Trey Moore as pass rushers. Tight end is also a a position of need. And right now, the biggest position of need, Rod, is defensive tackle. Yes, it is. They need a coach still. Yeah, because <laughs> they need a defensive line coach with Bo Davis leading. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, you know, we told you over the weekend that the. Uh, you know, the players reported, right, all including the new new enrollees because class starts this week, and so you got to be here. Well, 18 of the Longhorns' 19 planned and scheduled high school players reported to, to move in. The one that did not was DeAndre Robinson, yeah. a four-star defensive tackle out of Orlando, Florida. The Longhorns have let him out of his NLI, uh, National mm-hmm. Letter of Intent. Uh, he 
he changed his mind after Bo Davis left uh, to go to LSU, so keep an eye on that. But now the Longhorns have lost a high school prospect. They also lost Trill Carter to the transfer portal and defensive mm-hmm. tackle. And so, you know, we'll see if the Longhorns can find – run out of window time here. But the defensive tackle – and you need a defensive line coach. Maybe it'd be hard to coach. bring in a, a portal player yeah, until you know who the D-line coach is. So that becomes – but, you know, that can, is somewhat conflicted, Rod, that if – as I've been told, that maybe Rod Wright – the lifetime Longhorn who's coaching with the Houston Texans might okay. be a guy that they really like, much like Chris Jackson last year. But you've got to wait till Rod Wright's done working. Right? Yeah. He's coaching the Texans. Yeah, it's going to be hard to recruit an <laughs> yeah. ID line coach. Yeah. yeah. So they keep an eye on that. I've been told that that's, a, that's someone they like a lot in Rod Wright, who's the assistant D line coach down for D'Amico Ryans with the Texans. But they've got a pretty big game on Saturday. So we'll watch good. that storyline. And one more thing on Dwayne Aquina to wrap up behind the burn orange curtain for Longhorn fans. There were a lot of reports, a lot of excitement that Dwayne Aquina was coming mm. to be a part of the Texas staff in some capacity, maybe as an analyst. But uh, what I've been told yesterday, Rod, is he wants to be on field coaching. And Not you know, surprised. he wasn't doing that at Arizona, but that, uh, you know, when, when Jed Fish left to go to Washington to replace Kalen DeBoer, that they hired the coach from San Jose State. And it sounds like the San Jose State replacement coach at Arizona may present Dwayne Aquino with an opportunity to get back on the field and be a part of his staff. Not surprised. His actual coaching staff. Could so, be an upgrade for him. Yes, yeah, so for his coaching staff. that may put an engine brake on that move. And to your to the to the you know well we'd love to have him but we we have a receivers a safeties coach in Blake Giddy and we've got a cornerbacks coach in Terry Joseph and yeah. you know, we're we're not just going to move on from those guys to hire no. be able to hire an on field coach but and an analyst yes we're talking but it now looks like your former coach Dwayne Keene has an opportunity to get back on the field and good for him yeah I think you make like a quarter of a million dollars more yeah there's more money being a coach than as a analyst so yeah take well that, and as you said that. analysts are kind of film rats they're watching film they're studying. Dwayne Keene is an on-the-field coach. Yeah, and you get to recruit. He, he wants to recruit. That's the, he likes connecting with young people. That's so, right. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do some off-the-record conversations, uh, stories maybe you've missed, but you need to hear them because they're going to be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Off-the-record on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Cold. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, it's off the record. Never sucks. Sometimes a little curious, including today. You know what today is, Ron? It's a holiday. Today is, well, one of those silly ones. But uh, it's uh, n- Ditch Your New Year's Day Resolution Day, January 17th. Uh, this is the day most uh, prominently that uh, those who make New Year's resolutions give up on them. Now, it's been barely two weeks <laughs> removed from it. And that's what I would say, man. If you're thinking about it and you, you know, whatever it was, dry January or getting in shape, working out. And it takes 21 days to form a, form a habit, Rod. Yeah. At least 21 days. So you're almost there. Just stick to it, man. it, man. Stick it out. Discipline. Stick, yeah. Your Discipline. Your, your body will start to adapt. Your, like you said, yeah, your, your brain patterns, everything will start to adapt. You've got to give it a while, though. Yeah, and, and the result, cause people the give part. up because the results don't, aren't immediate. And it's like, yeah, that. <laughs> Think about six months down the road what it's going to look like. You keep doing this. Well, instant gratification society. We got to see it right now. We don't see it right now. And then we're like, man, it's not working. It's like, no, it's working. <laughs> it just takes time. I put the work in. It takes what it takes, folks. It takes what Unless it you takes. got Ozempic. Other than that, it takes what it takes. By the way, I keep hearing about that. I don't, I'm ignorant about Ozempic. What is that? Uh, it's a drug that it was intended for, I think, people with like uh, diabetic issues, something of that nature. But one of the uh, side effects, yeah, uh, the side effects of it is that it, it it causes for, I mean, it causes drastic weight loss. And so now you have a lot of the Hollywood elites have decided that they want to use it for the side effect, <laughs> make it the main thing. So they want the drastic weight loss. Um, and a lot of the folks who actually need it for medical reasons, they can't get it because the price is so high of it. And it costs so much now because it's become a, you know, a coveted commodity in Hollywood circles and elite circles. So now most people who, have, who were using Ozempic for medical reasons, they've, they've have used another drug. Uh, one that's more cost effective because Ozempic has become more of a, a glamour. Oh, and people, uh, of course, now, just now like Joe Public's abusing loss. it, correct? 
Well, they, they, who can afford it? Who can afford? Because it? it is uh, apparently now they're knockoffs coming out. Yeah, that's why. I, uh, <laughs> yes, and that's why all the Hollywood elites and all of your, you know, the really wealthy folks out there, they're apparently using a lot of Ozempic and uh, yes, quick shortcut to weight loss. By the way, yeah, Rod, when you're thinking about giving up on your New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. think of bamboo. Think of bamboo. Why? Well, because. You, you, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, you know, bamboo shoots that grow up and they'll grow up 40, 50 feet in the air. Yeah. It takes them about three years to develop their root system under to the be ground. strong enough? Onto the ground. Yeah. But then they'll shoot up 50 feet in weeks. Yeah. Once it gets going. Yeah, because. that you, crazy? You got to get the foundation down first. You got to lay. You got to build the foundation bamboo. down first, man. Bamboo. Yeah, I like that. Bamboo. Be like the bamboo. Be like bamboo. Be like bamboo. That's there you go. Like- and not on Unzembic. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. Be yo. like bamboo. I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, have you it's heard? True, of, it's a true story. Have you heard about this? Uh, I don't know if this is a folklore legend developing about the Bills and an apparent fan who started their winning streak by falling into the pit. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's been created for their new stadium. Okay, so here it is. So apparently Bills fans are allegedly throwing people into a pit where their new stadium is being built before each and every game after someone mistakenly fell into a pit and they believe it sparked their current winning streak. This unfortunate disaster, someone falling into a pit. Now, they're looking for – and this is actually some of the amateur sleuths on, uh, in the Twitterverse. They're looking for confirmed evidence of this. Uh, it started with a woman who said, I just saw a TikTok, and apparently the Bills are building a new stadium, and so far it's just a big pit in the ground. Five games ago, a fan fell into the pit, and they won. Since then, a fan sacrifices themselves to the pit before every game, and they win. I'm dead serious. Uh, we probably can play this TikTok later. I'll see if it has some cussing in it or something like that. Um, but apparently Barstool and some other uh, websites have done some research and um, apparently there was a fan who fell into a pit, but they don't know it, it, into the pit for the new stadium for the Bills, but they don't know if it coincides with the winning streak. They say Buffalo, they found an article, a Buffalo Bills fan was found naked. Uh, basically, he fell back into a pit and back in September. I have no idea what happened here. Um, and they actually blogged about it, but they don't know if that coincided with the win streak. And even Barstool said they actually had some sources that – spoke to uh, a friend at the ECMC emergency room that has informed them that despite no reports shared by local media, they have seen a patient that has fallen into the pit on every single game day since the start of the Bills <laughs> five-game win streak. But you know that Bills Mafia people are crazy. They're crazy. they crazy, man. They'll, like, light up a table and, like, jump off of a, uh, I don't know, some some elevated surface, just do, like, wrestling-style elbows onto the these Bills tables. Bills Mafia nuts, man. The Bills Mafia are crazy. Uh, on a related note, did you see that uh, the ch- super wild card game at Kansas City on Saturday night? As many as 20 people had to go to the hospital after this game for frostbite and hypothermia. I'm not shocked. Fans at the game. Why are y'all out there? <laughs> Some dude was shirtless out there. Yeah, he probably went to the hospital. He's definitely it's one minus of the 30, went, y'all. He's definitely going one of the people that went to the hospital. That's yeah. dumb. Come on, you man. and I were like, you couldn't pay me to go to that game. No. You're not Hell just going no. for a few minutes, guys. You guys are going for like three, four hours. Nope. Nope, can't oh, do it. Now I have to go check myself in the emergency room for hypothermia. Great. Yeah. The Chiefs going to pay that? Go they gonna, Chiefs. They going to help me with that bill, that medical bill of me going in there for a frostbite? Ooh, Ooh and if stuff gets frostbitten, isn't there a chance? Like, you lose fingers and stuff. Ooh. Yeah, fingers and toes. And, ooh, what if it you lost? bad enough. Yeah, that stuff that's exposed. So he was shirtless out there. What if he lost, like, his nipples or something because they got frostbitten? A sad story. He earned it. <laughs> he earned it. By the way, speaking of going in pits, when I was a kid, growing up near Cypress Creek, the actual Cypress Creek, yeah. they built a uh, – what do you call it? Um, I'll, I'll pick it up. Where the poop goes. Oh, they, okay, yeah. Okay. So it was like for, for, for dogs or for Well, human? no, for humans. I'll, I'll, oh, I, they yeah. built this, this. I can't even think of the name, what it's called. Uh, uh, I, I will when we come back. But uh, they built, so they dug this big hole in the ground. Oh, wow. Uh, a big pit like that. We used to go and we take cardboard boxes. We slide down it and climb back up and slide down it and climb back up. With, with the, poop in it? No, no, no. <laughs> it was as they were planning Before, to build it. Oh, it was a treatment. It was you. a waste treatment center. I got waste you. Waste treatment facilities. Oh. Yeah. We, and so when we were kids, we would slide down that thing. And then nice. we'd climb back up, slide down it again. It's <laughs> just unbelievable. Risking your life to have some fun. <laughs> oh, it was 